Chapters twenty seven and twenty eight of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty seven A Doubtful Witness. His sister's attitude puzzled Mr. Cass less than might have been expected. On leaving her, he went straight to the Turnpike House to interview the gypsy. The first thing was to get the truth out of Job then he would try to arrive at some settlement of the question which would be satisfactory to the world to justice and to his conscience the door of the house was closed when he rode up he dismounted gave his horse to his groom and told the man to take him home i have to see the gypsy he exclaimed i find he is here without mr heron's permission i shall probably remain some time and i don't want sultan to get cold go home yes sir said the man and then ventured to add a few words on his own account shan't i wait sir joe lovell is a rough customer i know mr cass said calmly i am prepared for that i shall return in an hour more or less if mr heron should come to hollyoaks ask him to wait for me the man rode off leading his master's horse mr cass waited until they were out of sight then knocked vigorously at the door there was no response a third knock or rather a perfect battery of knocks proved that job was at home from within came the growl of a waking beast a beast angry at being disturbed and shortly afterwards the door was wrenched open by no very gentle hand the gypsy with his red-rimmed eyes blinking from under a thatch of disordered hair stood on the threshold mr cass took in his condition at a glance are you not ashamed to be drunk at this time of day he asked what do you mean by it it is none of your business growled job who had slept off the worst effects of his debauch it is my business i am mr cass i know you are retorted the man still blocking the doorway but that doesn't give you the right to come knocking at my door tisn't your house it is mr heron's house mr cass said sharply and i have sufficient influence with mr heron to have you kicked out into the cold if you do not behave yourself i shouldn't do that if i were you said the ruffian with a sinister smile others may find themselves out in the cold too ay my gorgeous gentile bigger folk nor the poor romany this was plainly a threat levelled at mrs marshall as her brother clearly saw however it was not his intention to quarrel with the man until he had got the truth out of him you speak in riddles he said but perhaps you will stand aside and let me enter what for asked job suspiciously you shall hear my business when i am within the gypsy began to cough and the paroxysm was so violent that he had to hold on to the doorpost well sir said job at length somewhat sobered by a fit of coughing come in i ain't the one to keep a romany rye out of my tent mr cass entered and followed the man into the sitting-room in which jenner had been murdered by so far as mr cass knew its present occupant as he entered he became conscious of a strong smell of petroleum and making a sudden pause have you upset your lamp he asked no i ain't upset anything said job sulkily the smell is it oh that's my business i've got an idea that ain't nothing to do with you sit down and tell me what's the row i know though it's your young lady well i haven't done her no harm 
she's a sister to me because she patters the black lingo has she been setting your back up rye my visit has nothing to do with miss cass said her father sharply leave her name out of the question i know all about her visit to you and how you behaved i am not blaming you but my business here has to do with a very serious matter perhaps you can guess my errand when i tell you that i come from mrs marshall the mere mention of that name drove the remaining fumes of drink from the gypsy's head and he cast a sharp glance at his visitor mr cass sustained this scrutiny with the greatest calmness and finding the smell of the petroleum quite unbearable threw open the window and placed his chair close beside it so that he could breathe freely then he turned round and looked again at the man job open-mouthed at these liberties taken with his domestic arrangements stared insolently at mr cass but at length he found his tongue you'll give me my death he grumbled i want that window shut you shall not have it shut then said mr cass coolly the air here is horrible with the smell of that petroleum whatever you are doing with it sit down over there and you will be out of the draught i have something serious to say to you so you said before growled job surrendering the point of the window and pitching himself onto a broken-backed chair what's she up to now if you are speaking of mrs marshall be more respectful mr cass said angrily however you may have intimidated her you ruffian you cannot deal with me in the same way i'll make an example of you ha 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 you touch me at your peril retorted job who was getting exasperated at your peril you mean now then my man no equivocation but a plain confession out with it confession what have i to confess my gentile cove be respectful i tell you or i'll lay my whip across your shoulders what have you to confess about you ask if the walls of this shambles could speak they might tell you not but what you know well enough what i mean ah cried the man his eyes glittering she's blown the gaff precisely and it should have been blown long ago you blackmailing beast now then i'm here to learn the truth oh she's not told it to you then yes she has but i want it confirmed by you what am i to confirm asked the gypsy with a savage oath the story of how you murdered jenner in this room he started from his seat with a howl and flung himself towards mr cass but the merchant was ready for this and pushing back his chair sprang to his feet job found himself recoiling before the barrel of a revolver you get back to your seat or i'll blow your brains out said mr cass and said it with such ferocity that the ruffian crawled back like a whipped dog but then mr cass had the blood of many a slave-owning spaniard in his veins and was much more savage than an ordinary anglo-saxon do you think i would trust myself here without protection you wretch he asked resuming his seat no you move and i shoot i am less english than spanish let me tell you and perhaps i do not consider my actions so carefully as the people of this country you're a fierce one you are anyway grumbled the man climbing up to his seat with an uneasy eye on the weapon which still covered him my sister is just like you plucky as a bantam she is which sister do you mean mrs marshall or miss cass you have two you know adopted sisters oh she told you that did she 
said job rubbing his head and evidently perplexed at the extent of his visitor's knowledge well it seems you know a lot you do enough to hang you was the curt reply that's a lie shouted job i didn't lay a finger on him then how did you become possessed of the red pocket-book the gipsy started and gave mr cass another of his keen glances he did not reply immediately but seemed to be reflecting at length how do i know you are not laying a trap for me the business i had with the high-born gentile lady concerns her only she has not told me to speak of hidden things to you if you don't tell me and tell me quickly too you will have to reply to a magistrate what magistrate rye the one before whom i will bring you was the quiet answer understand that i have sufficient evidence in my possession to have you arrested on suspicion of having murdered the man jenner for reasons which you will doubtless appreciate i am willing to deal gently with you but he raised a threatening finger only on condition that you make a clean breast of all to me and at once anything you do to me rye will harm your sister i hold something which can break her heart the bill of exchange you heard marshall talking about to jenner job fell back in amazement you do know all yes i hold the bill the forged bill which can put in prison no one that is quite enough you need tell no more lies you got possession of the pocket-book yes and i took the bill out before i gave it to the lady i see said mr cass tranquilly although he marvelled at the daring of the man and you made use of your assertion that you had possession of the bill to blackmail mrs marshall i only got a little money out of her my gentile she has been kind to me and she has given me this house to die in then the sooner you die the better you are no good to any one so far as i can see you scoundrel to blackmail a lady she believed you i do not you don't believe i have the bill asked job incredulously no for if you had you would show it to me i will not why should i you cannot show it to me i thought as much hey you think so rye then if i haven't the bill who has mrs marshall for i gave it to her to-day it is a lie a lie job was quite pale now he saw that his last card was played and that he had now very little hold but still some over mrs marshall it is the truth the bill was taken out of that pocket-book by jenner in this room and placed in hiding i need not explain where it is sufficient for you to know that the bill came into my possession and that i gave it to my sister your teeth are drawn tiger the gypsy saw that he was beaten and began to whine although he already bore the impress of death he did not want to be turned out to die in the open fields what do you want to know honourable rye he asked in fawning tones for he wanted to propitiate the man who could make a tramp of him i will tell you all all you know so much that now then interrupted mr cass impatiently where did you get the red pocket-book did you snatch it through this window of which i am sitting and kill jenner to get it no rye i swear i did not i was not near this house i got the pocket-book from jenner you liar 
the bill was in the book when jenner came to this house and if you had stolen it the bill would have remained there jenner did not leave the house again he died here job scratched his head he was puzzled well i thought it was jenner rye if it wasn't him then who was it marshall you attacked marshall on that night oh i know you tore his cuff and stole his sleeve links and one was found under this very window you dropped it there you murderer i ain't a murderer i tell you growled the man getting angry i did try to get some tin out of that marshall cove but that was afore i met mrs marshall i was sleeping behind a hedge and i heard marshall and jenner jawing i listened and heard all when they parted i thought i'd drop marshall rye and get some money i was poor and he was rich he put out his arms to fight and i did grab his wrist but i didn't steal his links i swear then i heard someone coming and i ran away while he went home i came back to the wagoner's pond and then followed the lady i knew she was hiding not far from me in the hedge how could you tell that in the mist and darkness i buys like a cat and can see through stones said job in a sulky tone black don't make no difference to me i knew her i tell you rye and thought she'd go after jenner and get the bill for marshall's sake why for marshall's sake asked mr cass coldly cause i heard she was going to be his ranny marry him as you gentiles call it i went after her and caught her up i offered to do the job for money she said she'd give me lots if i got her the pocket-book i said i'd give it her next day then i came to this house where we are now and waited in the hedge on the other side of the road i saw the winder was open but nothing more there was a cry and a yell and a cove comes dashing down the road i after him and caught him up though he run like the wind i fell on him and i said give us the red pocket-book he fought but said nothing i thought he was jenner oh but how could you see in the dark remarked mr cass sarcastically what did it matter job said surlily i didn't know jenner when i saw him he was a stranger to me true enough said mr cass go on well he fought and twisted and i grabbed on to his throat then he half gave in and pushed the pocket-book further into his pocket i held him down and got it out i didn't know he'd been knifing jenner i took the pocket-book to an old barn where i was going to sleep for the night and looked through it i couldn't find no bill and thought i'd had all my trouble for nothing so thinking she'd give me no money i made up my mind as i'd tell her i'd got the bill and would keep it till she paid up she believed the yarn and i saw she was afraid she asked me to show her the bill but i said i wouldn't as she might put it in the burning fire in one way or another i made her think i could do her husband harm with the bill so she paid up well oh yes said the scoundrel generously i will say she was a real gentle lady and all the time you hadn't the bill you beast job slapped his thigh that's the joke of it he said and began to cough again mr cass watched him with an expression of contempt the secret of the murder seemed as far off as ever 
like an elusive phantom it flitted just within reach but when the seer hoped to grasp it it was still the same distance ahead twice or thrice had mr cass been on the verge of solving the mystery and now again it was impenetrable as always before he saw no reason to doubt this man's story yet he was doubtful he made one more attempt to get at the truth who was this man you struggled with he asked i don't know i could not see much of him because we were fighting hard my rye but i've often thought he was the same cove as i heard the steps of when i tussled with marshall how could you tell that i can't tell rye was the candid response but i feel it was the same when i heard of the murder next morning i knew he'd kill jenner to get that pocket-book but the lady said she didn't know i told her it was jenner and she thought i'd tackled him going to the house but it was when the man had left the house and then jenner was inside dead mr cass had by this time learnt as much as he was capable of taking in and the mystery of the murder was deeper than ever he resolved that he would go away and think the matter over quietly i will go now he said and give me up to the peelers asked job with a scowl no i am doubtful now if you are guilty i cannot say but i shall not tell the police just now i will see you again one thing don't go near mrs marshall and he left his brain in a perfect whirl won't i just growled job i'll get some more money out of her and cut the country no i won't here he sniffed the petroleum i'll try that game first the gentiles chuck me the romany won't have me there ain't nothing but that he sniffed again for poor job and he swore chapter twenty eight the unexpected happens geoffrey was at hollyoaks when mr cass arrived home he had come over simply to see ruth never dreaming that any further revelations about the case awaited him but his host lost no time and at once invited him and neil webster into the library there he left them for a moment while he went upstairs to see his daughter and tell her that all was well with her aunt you need not trouble your head my dear he said your aunt got that pocket-book from job who here for obvious reasons he suppressed the truth who picked it up on the road now is your mind at rest completely she kissed her father fondly but geoffrey i sent down to say that i was ill he will be disappointed i will speak to him meanwhile try and get some sleep you can see him another time in this way he managed to set her mind at rest then he returned to the library to have the matter out with the two young men he found a letter lying on the table and making some excuse opened it at once for he had become so accustomed now to the occurrence of unforeseen events that the sight of an envelope addressed in an unknown hand had made him anxious lest it should bring some new element of trouble ah neil he said as he ran his eyes over the contents this is from the prison chaplain your mother wishes to see me can't i go with you asked the young man rousing himself i think not she told you to keep away and it is only right that you should obey her to-morrow i will go up and when i return you shall know all that has passed between us meantime i have a painful story to tell you and geoffrey oh said heron quickly more about this case yes i think we are getting near the truth now i have made several important discoveries 
by the way geoffrey ruth will see you to-morrow she is not very well in fact she had rather a severe shock to-day this confounded case of course remarked heron forming his own conclusions and naturally enough for his mind was now wholly occupied with mr cass's promised revelation yes about the case said mr cass again i want you to give me your closest attention and first both of you must promise me to say nothing of what i have told you until i have given you leave for the matter concerns a member of my family and forthwith he plunged into the middle of the exciting history and told it with as much detail as he could remember it was necessary to make things perfectly clear to his listeners as he relied upon their judgment to help him out of the cul-de-sac into which the whole affair was now wedged at the conclusion of the story neil who had been more or less excited throughout although he had refrained from interruption jumped up and began to pace the room there isn't the slightest doubt he said that job lovell killed my father to get possession of that pocket-book i thought you would say that said mr cass dryly and what do you say heron it seems probable that job did kill the man said heron with a grave nod marshall you say mr cass was in this house at the time your sister had got back to her bedroom now only these two knew that the bill was in the pocket-book or had any interest in getting it you forget job he knew all job must be the murderer exclaimed neil with flashing eyes and my mother is innocent now she must be released i will see to that said mr cass composedly but you must let me manage the matter in my own way i do not wish the rascalities of my precious brother-in-law made public if job can be proved guilty he must be punished in any case as soon as we are certain of his guilt mrs jenner must be released mr cass paused then added abruptly i hold you both to your promise if i had my way said neil i would go at once to job and force the whole truth out of him as it is i shall not move in the matter until you give me permission my mother told me to leave things as they were you have asked me to do the same i owe you too much mr cass to break my promise mr cass much affected by this speech shook the young man warmly by the hand then turned an inquiring eye upon geoffrey who answered the look i will do nothing mr cass since it is your pleasure to thresh the matter out yourself but i only warn you that job may kill himself how do you mean kill himself on account of this murder maybe i don't know but he is dying slowly and in much pain his fellow gypsies will have nothing to do with him he is too much of an outcast even for the romany i heard from one of my servants that job in a drunken humour had threatened to put an end to himself by burning down the turnpike house in order to do this i believe he has lately bought a large quantity of petroleum ha exclaimed mr cass suddenly i know the house smelt terribly of petroleum i dare say he has soaked the whole place in it that it may burn the more quickly what is to be done the man seems to be in earnest you must get his confession as to how he committed the crime that would be the best thing no doubt assented mr cass but to-morrow i want to go up and see mrs jenner she seems to be very ill and wishes to see me at once heron had quite made up his mind that he would see job the first thing in the morning but providence intervened with a sprained ankle returning home late from hollyoaks he was overtaken by darkness and in some way how he could not explain 
he stumbled and rose with an aching ankle which next morning was so painful and swollen that his housekeeper begged of him to give himself a day's rest but he declined this advice and managed to drag himself to the library it was a dreary day but towards the end the monotony was broken by the announcement of a visitor and to his surprise a figure in rusty black clothes was shewn in a creature which smirked and grinned and rolled its head in a half-witted way geoffrey stared jerry hutt he exclaimed in surprise what are you doing in this galley i am mr hutt when i pay visits said jerry with dignity only when i'm put upon at home by mother and master am i called jerry well then mr hutt said mr heron humouring the strange creature i should like to know your business take a seat jerry obeyed first going through the ceremony of dusting a spotless chair so that his rusty suit might take no harm he had furbished himself up for the occasion and wore a flaring red tie as spruce as julian roper's green one and as ill-suited to the person who wore it in this was stuck a pin which when he had seated himself near geoffrey the latter could see very clearly it was an oval piece of gold adorned with the enamelled figure of a ballet girl while the unconscious visitor sat smirking blandly on his chair mr heron rang the bell and when the butler entered spoke a few whispered words upon which the man cast a startled look at jerry and hurried from the room in three minutes the door of the room half opened and closed again then geoffrey knew that the under footman a strapping young giant was waiting outside in case mr hutt might be compelled to make a too hasty exit well mr hutt said geoffrey what is it i thought you were never going to speak said jerry in an injured tone and i'm that hungry and dry you wouldn't think first we will have our talk mr hutt then i will see about having you provided with refreshment your errand quick it was the master sent me here jerry said becoming more respectful as he delivered his message it was as though the spell of the sender were on him he bids me say that if you can give him that bill of exchange he's willing to buy it that's very good of him geoffrey said ironically and why does he want the bill of exchange you speak of jerry nodded mysteriously i know but i mustn't tell he said you must tell or i won't discuss the matter with you well it isn't a secret leastways neither mother nor master said hold your tongue jerry i can say this much that master wants to be upsides with that mr marshall you know why what do you know about mr marshall suddenly the smirking creature was transformed into a furious beast i know that he killed miss elsa he did shouted jerry and the man outside was instantly on the alert to run in and aid his master ay she was a beauty and he broke her heart i hope to have made her mrs jerry hutt he added with a sob but that wicked mr marshall he had put her in the ground i'll never see her again but i want to lay him by the heels i do quite as much as master does and that bill of exchange will do it ah you know all about the bill of exchange then jerry nodded i listened after you went away and i know it was the same as they spoke of at the time of the murder Ugh! he shivered that were a gory murder bless my soul we will leave the bill alone for the time being jerry and talk of something else that beautiful breastpin for instance where did you get the thing from mr hutt hutt blinked quite pleased that mr heron should admire his jewellery i picked it up he said nodding it wasn't a pin but i made it one myself 
and where did you pick it up jerry he shook his head i can't tell you that he snapped and frowned well i know that you picked it up not far from the turnpike house my friend and that you dropped the other part of the link under the window the window gasped jerry turning almost blue with suppressed fear yes the window of the turnpike house through which you killed jenner hutt stared blankly at him his eyes starting from his head then he gave vent to a long howl like that of a beaten dog and slipped on to his knees oh don't hurt me he sobbed i never did anything i'll tell you all i'm frightened the master said i'd be caught some day then you did kill him heron almost shouted no i didn't snuffled the man you can't hang me for not doing what i didn't do here loosening the breastpin you can have it he threw it to heron i don't want to be put in jail please please his dim brain had seized upon the idea from the few words heron had spoken that the gentleman knew all and could hang him End of chapters 27 and 28